I'm anti-glancing blows. You know, like uh, when you run through a group of coaches and it's just these glancing handshakes, dude, I'm anti that. Networking to me is exactly what you said. It's an opportunity to develop a, a true, deep, meaningful relationship. Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I'm Jonathan Gilmer. Today we're talking with the man behind everything ABCA, Jeremy Sheetinger. We discuss what to expect with the upcoming ABCA convention, and we dig into how to network with other coaches. I loved having Sheets on, and I think you're going to get a lot from this conversation with Jeremy Sheetinger. Sheets, thanks for being on Ahead of the Curve. Gilner, I really appreciate the opportunity, man. I'm fired up, excited to be here with you, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to chat with you. Well, I love that we were able to hop on on uh, Skype and, and get this going. And and like you said, you were foaming at the mouth, and I was like, man, that that is such a Sheets-ism. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's true, man. I think any chance you have to talk with baseball guys and talk the game, but you know, for what the purpose of this is really we're here to help coaches, and the purpose of your podcast is really get some great information out, and I hope that we can follow through and and, um, and give these guys something they can chew on and go get better because of it. Absolutely. And today's topic is coaching network and how to, how to increase that. And the reason that I asked you on the show, one, that I feel like you're a mentor of mine, at least in the podcasting world and coaching world as well. And two, it's because you do such a great job of staying in consistent contact uh, with coaches. So I'm really looking forward to see where the direction of this is going. But I want to know, what is your background? And I know what you're doing now, but but tell us how you got there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, born and raised in Frankfort, Kentucky, if your uh, listeners can't tell by that thick hit Kentucky accent. <laughs> um, born and raised, uh, played Division II at Kentucky Wesleyan College. Uh, knew I wanted to coach uh, from really the minute I was 16 years old. I was very fortunate to have you know a great little league coach, great uh, you know Babe Ruth coach and great high school coach. Guys that just really influenced me that I wanted to get into coaching some form or fashion. I thought I was going to be a high school English teacher and high school baseball coach and went to college and luckily took a British literature class uh, my sophomore year and <laughs> failed it miserably. <laughs> and uh, luckily, my advisor sat down and said, uh, I don't think you knew what you were getting into. Can you write? I was like, I can write really well. She was like, that doesn't make you an English major. Like, there's a whole <laughs> lot more that goes into that. So, um, she said, well, what do you want to do? I really want to coach. And uh, we talked about sports management. And I'm like, that's an interesting major. Never really heard of it, thought about it. Went straight downstairs from her office and went into Ryan Brisbane's office, who's the head coach at Shriner College, uh, Shriner University now, and uh, sat down with him. And he said, man, I've been waiting for you to come talk to me about this because you'd be great for college baseball. High school's great, but now you get to go recruit your team. You got a personality for recruiting. I think you need to think about college baseball. And from that minute you know, forward, I was a sports management major and uh, wanted to be a college baseball coach. Ended up transferring, went to Kentucky Wesleyan College, finished out my career, had a bum shoulder, knew my career was basically over, but I just said, went and prepped myself to go coach. And so, as you know, most college guys go out and play summer baseball. I only did that one summer. The other two summers, I actually went and coached. So I coached the 16-year-old all-star team out of Frankfurt and kind of cut my teeth as a 20-year-old. Uh, trying to figure out how to do signs at third base and slow the game down and manage, you know, what I needed to manage and to try to learn how to really be a coach. And that set me up for the minute I got my degree. I walked into an assistant position at Georgetown College, uh, NAI school, uh, 06. I ran a baseball academy, kind of made we chase a dollar a little bit and get in and flip some balls and realize that wasn't for me. I got back into summer baseball coaching, which led me back to Brescia University, NAI school there in Owensboro. 
as a GA. Uh, got there and was working in a metal factory in the mornings at 4 a.m. so that I could coach at night and make about five grand. And got a year of that. Decided that you know the one of the way I know how to meet people and how to go find a job is you got to go work camps. You got to get out and you got to shake hands. And, and also it's a great way to make some money. So I went out and worked every camp that I could and, and got to know the staff at the University of Kentucky and Coach Cohen. And they offered me a spot to come on and, and basically run their camps as a GA my first year and then turned into the director of baseball ops. I was at the University of Kentucky for three years and then left and went to St. Joe's College up in Indiana Division II uh, as recruiting coordinator there for two years and then got the head coaching job at Spalding University in Louisville Division III. I was there for three. And so I was very fortunate, you know, meeting a, a number of different guys, luckily to have a few board members from the ABCA that I'd met and grown really close to. And they created this position called College Division Liaison, which I somewhat still don't know what it is. It certainly doesn't describe what my job is. I think it, it's going to change here uh, over time. But and the cool part about it, Jonathan, is there's no, there was no script. And I think that's been the most unique dynamic. Nobody told me what to do when I got here. Literally day one, set up your office. Now do what you think you need to do for small college coaches. Um, so, you know, for Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI, and JUCO, try to, you know, facilitate some legislative changes. And, and we've been very fortunate to get a number of really positive changes, you know, help facilitate on their behalf in place with Division Two, II, Division Three. We've got uh, the super regional format coming into play on both levels starting in 2019, which based on a survey that we did, both levels, over 90% of coaches wanted to add that extra layer of the national tournament. In AI, we helped negotiate with Lewis and Clark State to work their way out of having the automatic bid for the World Series starting in 22. Um, so, I mean, little things like that that we've been able to do. But as you know, it's really grown into the social media and the podcast and the coaching clinics and so, on the, you know, from that standpoint, it's been really cool to come in as a coach and say, you know, I love the ABCA. I've always been a passionate ABCA guy, but what can we do better? What can we do different? How can we, you know, for lack of a better term, move out of being archaic and be more modern and maybe be at the forefront of some different things? And, and we've definitely been the trendsetters, especially in the associational end, uh, which has been really cool to be a part of and just see where this thing can grow and really change the culture of coaching, which uh, we think we're on a really good path to doing that. Well, and I, I just remember the ABCA Twitter just would post like the job board, essentially. Right. And that was it. And now yeah. you know, I love taking part in the ABCA chats and, and the podcast. And I think it's just it's opening up a whole new world for you guys. It's uh, it's definitely we've definitely taken some steps forward. I mean, I think you're to your dead on. I was the maybe the exact words I used like week one. Uh, hey, I love our Twitter, it's great, but you know, not everybody just needs a job posting. You know, mm -hmm. some guys to engage with one another and, and and connect. And it took, you know, a few months to really get settled and really get comfortable to a place where it was like, hey, you know, I'd like to kind of take that over. And I think if you put a personality behind it, then you put someone that, you know, I think it took a little while, whether it's through the chat or, you know, the podcast, whatever, and they started to realize, well, who was really operating the the account. It's like, okay, now you know that's not just some administrator trying to connect with you through some bad verbiage and some, you know, sure. awful hashtags like, man, this is, Hey, this is somebody that's really wanting to connect with you. It's been in your shoes, speaking your language. I've walked your walk. I still got bad hashtags, but you know, it's, it's <laughs> still just trying to make sure that there was a personality behind it that somebody felt connected to it. Then you got to give them content. If you're going to be at the educational forefront, you've got to provide content and you've got to get things out that people actually want to follow you. So I'm, you know, go back to your point. We started, when I jumped on there with about 6,000 followers and now we're approaching almost 20,000 and wow. it's 
we're actually giving folks things that you should follow us, whether it's the link back to the show or it's the link to the podcast or it's the, uh, the chat or it's back to the barnstormers clinics with the videos, the ABCA clinics. And you're, you're getting ready to get flooded. If you're listening to this with the convention stuff, like our convention feed will just absolutely explode over those four days. And that's what we want. We want guys when they connect with us through social media, there's a reason for it. It's not just, you know, to make sure what the, what the next job out there is going on. It's, I mean, you get a chance to really get, get better as a coach. I think that's why we want guys to follow us. Definitely for sure. Well, sticking on the same subject of the ABCA, let's talk about the convention. Now, sure. this is going to be my first one, and I've mm. never been. I've, I've been a member for several years, and I, I've never gotten the opportunity to go to the clinic. Well, uh, this will be my first year, so walk me through what I need to know or what our first-time guests that are showing up need to know. Well, I, I can prep you with this. Just know that on Sunday when the convention's over and you're driving home, your brain will be absolutely exploded between your ears. And there's really is no way to avoid that. And I'm so ready for that. (laughs) And that's awesome. I'm telling you, there's no way to walk away. Your first convention, any coach would tell you your first convention. You just, you you truly don't know what's going on because it's, it really is overwhelming. And and there is, you know, like last year and I was just going through a couple notes like last year. And I refer anybody listening to this and even yourself, Jonathan, go back and listen to, episode 17 of our show where I tried to give our guys keys to dominating at that time, ABCA 2017. And so I gave them 10 keys and things like bring business cards and uh, the beauty of the coaching clinics and how to, you know, dominate the trade show and, and, you know, start with the end in mind. So like for, let's start there. So for you start with the end in mind. So on Sunday, when you get in your car, are you driving or flying? Flying. Okay, so when you get back on that plane and you have a time to you know, hit that button and relax once you guys get airborne, what do you want to say that you accomplished? What do you want to walk away from the convention and say, you know, that's exactly what I was going for and I can rest easy, take a nap for about an hour because I accomplished that. Well, if you start with that in mind, whether that's meeting more coaches, passing out 100 business cards, you know, having a deep conversation with these three coaches that you really deeply admire, I mean, you got to think with the end in mind because that's going to give you the game plan on what to attack on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That that's one step. I think if you you know look at the the overall scope of the convention, it's certainly an opportunity to learn and grow. I think the clinics that we offer are going to be as good as any across the country. I mean, we are the number one. That we are the world's largest. We are the best for a reason. Uh, we get the very best guys up there on the main stage. You got twenty five clinics to learn from on the main stage. I, I always go back to this now that we give the videos away for free. So you've got a chance to make a decision of, do I really need to sit in the clinic hall and listen, or is maybe a better opportunity for me to get out of the clinic hall, roam the trade show, uh, go check out expo theater, which I'll get to in a second, or is it just hang out in the lobby and maybe find the one, two, five, ten coaches I really want to connect with because you do get the videos for free post convention. So that's mm-hmm. something in your back pocket. The trade show. I mean, it's the world's largest baseball trade show. It does pictures don't do it justice. I mean, you're talking over 300 exhibitors, and it's every product and glove and bat and t-shirt and uniform and hat and. But beyond that, we've got an expo theater inside that trade show. Shows so you've got another 20 clinics that you can go watch inside the expo theater. Right. Um, it's demos on products or different companies talking. We actually have some coach clinics that are that are uh, worked in there. 
you know, the networking to me is, is part of development. I mean, if you got a chance to bump elbows with guys that you normally, you know, from there in Texas, you normally don't have access to, dude, you better take advantage of that while you're in Indy. Cause you know, you're not going to get a chance to stand next to Paul Maneri or Mike Fox in North Carolina or, you know, Marty Lee from Washington state in Texas. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. just not going to be there. They're going to be there in Indy though. Right. So I, I think you just look at it from, you know, again, what's the end in mind? And then just take full advantage of learning, of developing, of, you know, uh, best advice I could give you, dude, is do not spend time in your hotel room. Your hotel room is a place where you will sleep between four and six hours, and it's a place that you shower, and that's where your clothes stay. Other than that, you should spend 16 to 18 hours outside your hotel room, either down the convention center or in the lobbies of the hotel or in the hotel bar or somewhere where coaches are. And that's how you maximize your time in Indianapolis. And so when uh, when all of these researchers are talking about getting your eight hours of sleep, they weren't talking about the ABCA convention. They certainly weren't talking about that. I had uh, last year in Anaheim, dude, I had uh, four straight days of between two and a half and four, roughly, hours of sleep. And I wouldn't change it for anything. It's, it's, a, it's, it's tough, man. It really is. Like You will be dragging on Sunday. You'll sleep well on the plane. But that's that's you know the maximization of this of this opportunity is you've got to you can't live in your hotel room if anybody goes in their room to watch TV or turn on HBO, dude, you miss the boat and you might as well take your money and throw it in the trash can. This is the opportunity to bump elbows with six thousand guys that you can learn from, you can develop from, you can network from, you can connect with. You never know if you're riding the elevator with a guy who five years from now gets a head coaching job, and because of the conversation you have on the elevator which carried over to the hotel bar, which carried over to trading cell phones, which carried over to you guys flying out to meet each other. Five years later, you're his assistant coach getting paid or, you know, or vice versa. And I think that's where you just don't know who you're standing next to. and You don't know where that conversation goes. You and you figured this out. We're one degree or maybe even two separation away from everybody in the country. Mm-hmm. If I can get to you, you can get to him. Now you have a, you have an opportunity to really reach anybody. And I think that's the, the beauty of our convention is the networking side of things where if you're just talking to the right dude, he knows somebody. So again, if you're developing really good relationships, man, you got a chance to get to anybody else in the country. Definitely. And, you know, we talk about networking like it's, you know, like, like that's the only reason, but it's really about building relationships. And I, and I think that, that that's, that's the reason behind it. You want to build as many relationships as you can, just so you can go to different voices whenever you do need advice. I agree completely. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't want networking to be ever viewed, and, and I hope it doesn't come across that way in, in any aspect that we discuss it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm anti-glancing blows. You know, like uh, when you run through a group of coaches and it's just these glancing handshakes. Dude, I'm right. anti that. Networking, to me, is exactly what you said. It's an opportunity to develop a, a true, deep, meaningful relationship. So maybe that's just standing there and talking for five minutes, but, you know, it just seems to work out. If it's a guy that you were really meant to talk to it with or talk to and meet, there's a good chance that you'll see that guy again walking through the hallways. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's just the way it, it just seems to always work out. When you meet somebody, you have a little bit of a connection. It just a day later, you see him walking in across the lobby and maybe you stop and go have a conversation or he's eating dinner with a group of guys downstairs and you run over and he invites you to come sit down and you just met that guy a day ago. I think it's, it really is that it's trying to make him as meaningful as you can. So there really is some meat to that relationship because, you again, you just don't know where those things end up. You just don't know where it goes. Well, and you know as well as I do, 
that coaches who have been in the game for 30 years will sit and listen to anybody if, if they're offering advice. 100%. Well, that's the, the best advice for a young coach. I got this from an older guy. You can put this in your back pocket as well. I think younger coaches, and it's just, just part of being young, you, you lose, you don't have perspective where an older guy really has it. So I think younger guys get into a group of people and it's how much can I talk so that you think I really know what I'm talking about, as opposed to I'm around guys that have won, you know, a thousand games apiece. I should probably keep my mouth shut and see what nuggets they'll offer me. I'm guilty as that as anybody. And, and I, don't, I think that's just part of figuring it out. But to your point, I think the beauty of at least the environment and, and what our membership really is defined is that the young coach at 23 and the older coach at 73, I think a guy who's grown up in ABCA has always dropped their ego. You know, I think that they don't walk in as a 73-year-old and go, well, I've been coached for 40 years, so I've got this thing figured out. It's if I can take one or two new things home back to my program, I'm a better coach, and this is well worth the investment. I think that, that's just the beauty of um, really checking your ego at the door and realizing you can learn from anybody, to your point. So this might be a slightly different platform and a different podcast, but I do have you on, and I'm going to go ahead and stamp that as Certified Audio Gold. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> can, can I steal that from you? Is that, is that okay? Just for today's okay, show. Okay, just I've for today. I got you. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I love it. I've been waiting on that the whole time. Absolutely. I figured it was in your, it was, it was coming out. <laughs> I had to, I, you know, but so you talk a lot about, uh, networking and building relationships and trying to just not necessarily get your name out there, but just to be known by as many people and, and get to know as many people as you can. So say I'm, I'm going to the convention. And I want to get to know as many people as I can. And, and I shake a lot of hands and exchange a whole lot of phone numbers. But what's the best way to stay in consistent contact? Because you know as well as I do, we, we get somebody's contact number and then we don't ever talk to them again. And we may see them around, but we're like, hey. So what, what what's your best way to stay in consistent contact, even though you might not be real close to that person? That's a, that's a great question. I, I go back to um, set the stage for this. If you're going to approach a situation like this, dude, you've got to be yourself. And I think you and I are like we talked about a thousand times, man. We're cut from the same cloth, so I don't. I can tell if you walk up on me if it's just to just shake my hand and walk away. And I'm just so like, oh, that creeps me out. Just like having a negative dude in front of me, like I, I can't spend a lot of time with people like that. I want when I meet you, man. You're the most important person in the room, and it means a lot to me. No different. I would want that from the from the person that I'm meeting. So I think you got to walk into it and realize that it's not just about shaking hands of a thousand people because that's a thousand glancing blows. It's really shaking the hands of a hundred people and really shaking their hands. So I think walk into it with that perspective, keeping it personal, keeping it very interactive, keeping it obviously very genuine, very organic. The follow up is this, man. And, I, and I'm actually going to say this and I'm going to hold myself to this. I did this my first year. I did not do this in Anaheim. And I'm going to give this nugget to you as well, Jonathan, that I think maybe we'll keep each other accountable. Mm-hmm. It's, I keep my, obviously, you keep your phone handy. And I think when you meet somebody, when you walk into that scenario, and I've talked with you know, a couple different guys about this, I think when we meet new folks, it's so easy for us to want to get our name out. And you said that a second ago, and that's the first thing I thought of. When you meet people, we want to get our name out. And it's almost like if we beat the person to the punch and you hear my name first, well, more often than not, if you really think about it, this is interpersonal personal communications 101, you don't hear the other person's name. You're so wrapped up in saying yours that you don't hear theirs. If you can resist the urge 
to say your name and you wait for them to, you know, obviously announce who they are, you have a chance to then go, Jonathan, it's Jonathan, right? Yeah, Jonathan, nice to meet you, man. Jeremy Shinger, man, it's been a pleasure. Man, you having a good time here, Jonathan? And you got a chance to say their name before you even say theirs. So that way it's locked in your brain. Try to find a way to say it again. Now it's really cemented in there. The minute they walk away, grab your phone, make a new note, Jonathan Gellner, Texas. And so then you got a chance. And I had my first year in Anaheim, dude, I had a list, a laundry list of all these people I had met and I'd ran in and had these interactions with that I felt were meaningful, right? And I came back from that convention and obviously I had access to their information. So I went through and whatever it was, I think my first year was roughly, I think I sent out like 85 or 90 uh, handwritten notes. These are all the people that I really felt like I had an interaction with and a conversation with that meant something to me. And I went through and sent them all a handwritten note. To me, that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Like, if, you know, and again, you'll have this perspective on Sunday. You will reflect on how many, gosh, dude, I shook so many hands. But imagine if you took the 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 folks that you really felt connected with. Now, whether they did or not, that's not up to you. But you really felt like that connection was worthwhile. The conversation had some meat to it. And that's a person that you really want to stay in contact with. You follow up from from the convention of Anaheim, from Indianapolis, as quickly as you can with a handwritten note. Dude, that means you took time. You actually invested in sending something to them that meant something to you. That's a person that you hope, you know, say you send 100, you might have 75 folks that reply back and go, dude, that's a pro move. Like, that's big time, man. Thanks. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. By the way, here's my cell phone in case you missed it. Hey, you should reach out. Hey, you should come watch a game. Hey, we've got a recruit. Hey, we've got a kid you should look at. You just don't know where anything else goes. Hey, you should come work camp for us. I know you're a high school coach. You should come work camp for me. We'll fly you up. We'll take care of you. Just because you sent that dude a handwritten note and you took the time after that meeting to write his name down. So I'm putting that out to you, but I'm going to do the exact same thing. And maybe we end up sharing that note and seeing if we held each other accountable to it. No, I love that. And and there's two things that I, that I took from that. I've heard that before. One, it's again, like you said, it's just holding yourself accountable for doing that. But the power of a handwritten note, I mean, that is, like you said, big time. When you take the time to do that and when you receive one of those, I mean, how special is that versus just a text that you get from somebody? Anybody, you can text anybody, you can email anybody. Um, handwritten note is a different level. I was, um, I knew his name was going to come up at some point. Joe Ferraro, which I know has been a great resource for you, especially <laughs> with that stuff. So Joe and I were on his 1% Better podcast, which to me is one of the best podcasts out there. I think he's mm-hmm. one of the best interviewers in, in our space. And so I, I put this out there, same way I challenge you right there. I challenge myself, I challenge Joe is that I was going to write a handwritten note as an appreciation letter once a week. Uh, and I've sent my very first one out this week, and I will do that every single week until the day that I die. And I think there's a there's a challenge in that, but there's more of, man, I feel great when I write that letter. Mm-hmm. Like I feel so much better that I got those words out. Whether I ever get a reply or not, it doesn't matter. Go back to use that for your example. So when you get back from convention, man, that meeting meant something to you. That handshake meant something to you. And I'm going to follow up and show you how much it meant. I really think, you know, if, if you really sit down and do that, you'll be blown up by March. You'll be blown away about how many responses you got, how many more conversations you had, how many more, how, how your network just simply grew because you invested time in it. It's just like anything else you do. The more reps you take, the more investment you make, and you got a chance to really grow something. I, I really would. I think you'd see some true benefit in that. Definitely. 
And the second thing that I took from you is saying the person's name. I can't remember who or or where I read it, but somebody said that a person's favorite thing to hear is their own name. So that's helped me out so much with just trying to meet and greet. I'm terrible at remembering names, and, and that is an awful excuse because nobody should be terrible at remembering names. But that's helped me so much by the two things that you said, saying it a couple of times and then going yeah. back and writing it down. You and I talked about that before, and that's okay. I- Glad you brought that back up because that's a huge thing. Now, I've got a really good example. My dad was a professional speaker uh, for 30 years, so he's terrible at names. So I was forced to be great at names, and I was forced to introduce myself to people that I had no reason to introduce myself to, but I was doing it to find out what their name was so I could report back to my dad before he had to go meet them. So I had to learn early on that I mean, you, you, there's a, you've got to find a trick. Now, I probably heard that somewhere, and it's been solidified. But I've always heard two times in 10 seconds and three times inside of 30 seconds. If you can say someone's name two times inside of 10 seconds, there's a good chance you're not going to forget that person's name. If you can say it three times, then you've got an issue if you do forget their name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you, if you approach it that way, and it, it's not about being like over the top. It's just don't say yours. Hesitate, pause, refrain, you know, hold back. Oh, Jonathan Gellner. Yeah, man. Hey, nice to meet you, Jonathan. I've said it twice inside of three seconds. And so that should be on the tip of my tongue. And then you just find a way in the next couple sentences to go. That's a great point, Jonathan. Man, I was talking to another guy about that and blah, blah, blah. And now you said it three times and it's like, you should always be able to look at that guy and know his name. Like that's one thing I pride myself on is, is knowing names. When I see folks to your point, absolutely like knocking the snot out of your point People love to hear their name. Well, you can imagine when you walk in with 6,000 coaches, man, and this is probably more for you for year two, when you walk in year two and you have all these people you met in Indy and now you're back in Dallas, which you're going to know a lot more people in Dallas, and they see you from across the hall and you say, hey, Jeff, they're going to go, man, how how does Jonathan remember me? That was just a dude I met in Indy. It's because I said your name five times inside of five minutes and that I'll never forget your name. There's power in that, and there's obviously a, a connection in that that can't be manufactured any other way. Oh, definitely, and, and I don't know if you try and do this, but I, I've been trying to really push myself to know way more about the person that I'm talking to than they know about me. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really I heard that on a podcast. It boiled down simply as just ask more questions more than you give input. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody really gets into something, it's almost – Give your answer. How quick can you get and get right back to another question for them? Well, and, and it's kind of a mind trick. I, I, I mean this in no way to be disrespectful at all. But when somebody asks you really good questions and makes great eye contact and tells you your name, you're curious about that person. If they try and do if they do that to me, I'm like, hmm, that person is really interesting. I want to get to know that person a little bit better. That's it. Go back to it's uh, a bad movie reference. Go back to Hitch. I mean, <laughs> You've got to trick, you've got to trick the woman to get out of her own way. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you've got to trick the person you're trying to network with and connect with. You've got to get them out of their own way. And sometimes you do that by baiting them with exactly that. Great eye contact, active listening. Like that, that to me is one of the, the best traits of a great conversation is when both sides active listen. And they're both like really engaged and eye contact is strong. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're, you're just, you're into what's being said. That's a really deep, meaningful conversation that's got some teeth. And yeah, you're helping that person get out of their own way where 
there's social anxiety involved in all of it. So you, you know, hitch there's in the dating and the men to women, but there's more with the coach to coach in that the coach really wants to, like we said, he likes to get out that he's a really great coach. I'm at ABCA, but dude, I've been real successful. We do this and we're really good at this and I'm really special. And I coached here and I did this and you kind of get that help him get out of his own way and get back to, well, yeah, well, I do some stuff too. So let me just ask you and, and then let's expand upon that and let's get some good dialogue back and forth and, I don't think there's anything wrong. There's absolutely zero that falls on being disrespectful. I think it's just understanding people. It's a little bit of sociology more than anything, understanding how people are, how they think, how they talk, how they act, and finding a way to break through those walls. I think there's nothing wrong with that, Jonathan. And if you're the one talking, you're not learning anything. That's right. At least that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, what's the old line if you're... uh, (laughs) If you're the smartest guy in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I don't think I've ever had that problem. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit uh, about you before we go because you're a lifelong learner and, and I know you love to learn and, and you're learning all the time like you said you're always trying to improve yourself and I love the idea of the handwritten notes but is there anything that you've learned lately that you're really excited about you know I was thinking about this I got a um, you know probably a couple and not to get into to too much detail on on the first one but um, great conversation with Darren Everson with the Rockies and he was at our barnstormers clinic and, um, we, we had him on the show and it was just a great dialogue what we had in Wisconsin where he was talking through a hitting clinic and you, you know, as well as out of you're on the Twitter space, man. And, and this, this whole debate between <laughs> home runs versus bunts and, and launch angle. And if you're not teaching launch angle, then you should go coach soccer. And it's like, I've been really, you know, I'm, I'm the ultimate fence sitter, man. And I think that's a little bit of, of networking 101 is it's hard to get polarizing. You get polarizing, there's only one side of the group that's coming with you. Right. You know, so right. there's an element of sitting on the fence and being able to relate to everyone. And the way that he broke this down was uh, you've been teaching launch angle all your career. You just never called it launch angle. You told the big kid on your team, hey, balls actually go really far when you hit them in the air. <laughs> So maybe you get underneath them a little bit and you try to lift them up. You know, I've been I've been teaching exit velo all my life as a hitting coach. All my life I've I've taught exit velo. I just never called it that. I just told every hitter to hey hit the ball really hard. You know, like I don't, I don't think it's any more than that. And that was the conversation I had that really made all that make sense because I was struggling. You know, we're 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 in that space of of you know Twitter, and I think some guys it becomes their reality. And, you know, because you think one thing doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm talking about or because you disagree with where I am, where I'm at, doesn't make you the better coach or me the better coach or vice versa. I think it's it's just recognizing that it's just different language. There's, there's different ways to it, 10 ways to skin a cat. And so don't don't think that your way is the best. That's the beauty of baseball is you could put the fungo on your head if you're still hitting doubles. Hey, man, that's what we're doing. So I, I don't. um that was one thing that really made sense, maybe laid it down for me a little bit better, um, that, that made me feel a little bit better about where we're at. The other one is this, just having a great conversation about maybe some of the things that we've done here at ABCA and changing the dynamic with our coaches groups and, you know, the chat and, and all the different things. And, um, you know, somebody, the guy was really pumping a lot of credit at me and I'm like, Hey man, trust me, I, I really do appreciate that. And I, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm flattered by that. That's awesome, man. But I want you to understand, we got a great team here. Like we've got a great staff of, of folks that, you know, we're all captains of our own ship that make up the ABCA. So if I get too lost in the fact that I need that credit or want that credit, dude, if we win, we all get paid. 
And I think that was a lesson I learned early on in my coaching career. If you're an assistant coach, I think we get so wrapped up in, man, well, I'm the hitting coach. So as long as the hitters are doing well, then we're going to be fine. It's like, man, you better get invested in the pitchers. And you better get invested in your infield defense. And you better worry about what they're doing behind the plate. You know, you better worry about your, what's coming out of the bullpen. Because that, if we win, we all get paid. If, if nobody cares who gets the credit, amazing things can happen. And that's something that's really stuck with me, especially here recently, that's, hey, man, it's not about any individual. It's about our team effort. It's about the association. And as long as we're all doing what we're supposed to be doing, man, we're going to change the game of baseball. We're going to change our coaches and impact them positively. And that's what ultimately matters. If we win, we all get paid. There's a, there's a lot of credence to that. No, I love that. And I think there's a lot of value in all of that. But just for the sake of time, I know you like to read and I know you are constantly in new resources. So share with our listeners, uh, you know, just a short list of the favorite, fav- your favorite ones that you've ever come across or just your favorite ones that you've come across lately. Yeah, I love uh, 1% Better. I'll give Joe shout outs till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> I love 1% Better. I love Entree Leadership, Dave Ramsey's group. We were talking about Learning Leader with Ryan Hawk some of the guests that he has on, obviously your show, uh, what Jack does at Top Coach. I, mm-hmm. I just think, you know, uh, Joe Rogan, I always give Joe Rogan a shout out. Um, and, and his shows are completely off the handle sometimes. But I just think there's just so many great resources out there. I'm really into podcasts right now. I've, I've sort of switched my focus into the podcast. I've just been traveling a whole lot. I think when I get settled down in the spring, I'll move back to more books. But right now I'm on this big podcast kick. And I'm, and I'm finding new ones. But, man, those are some that I would definitely share with you guys. Love it. I listen to all of those as well. All of those are fantastic. And if you don't have them in your current repertoire, then uh, then go ahead and download those. It's all great. But you've got an open mic. Well, I guess you usually have an open mic anyways. <laughs> but as the uh, interviewee, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Man, we've covered so much. I just think, you know, obviously from where I sit, if I can help out in any way, please reach out. Uh, you can send me an email, sheets at abca.org. You can Reach me on Twitter at Coach Sheets Three or at ABCA nineteen forty five. You know, reach out, call my cell phone five zero two seven six seven seven six eight zero. I think when you get so much, I get so much from just connecting with coaches and and having these conversations and and doing things like this, Jonathan. I, I know from where I sit, I know I can speak for you. We can't imagine our life without doing a podcast. Now, mm-hmm. now that we're in the space, and we've—I know that you know, I've talked about this. We've grown so much, and you learn so much. You just want to make yourself more available, and there's a lot to that because it's really fulfilling, you know. So I think from where we sit, man, I'll help out in any way. I love what you're doing with the show, man. I think it's a powerful platform to get to more baseball guys. I think you're certainly in the realm of us all working together to change these coaches and really inspire guys to be lifelong learners. And maybe, you know, for even for a minute, just challenge what you teach and what you think, you know, um, just enough to maybe make yourself vulnerable that there is room for change. Change can be scary, but at the same time, if you're still teaching hitting at 40, the same way you taught it at 23, have you really challenged yourself and have you really grown? And I'm not saying that there aren't essentials or pillars or things that don't change. I'm with you. But I think you've got to constantly find a new way to say it to your players, find a new drill, find a new terminology, find a new you know idea that maybe maybe changes the way your kid thinks. I think we've got to constantly evolve, stay lifelong learners, and just keep growing and developing. And I'm just very thankful for the opportunity to be on your show, my man.
Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. I would love to get in contact with you to hear your thoughts on the podcast. There are two easy ways to do that. You can email me at jgellner7 at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at AOTC underscore podcast. Also, do you like to share ideas and have conversations with other baseball coaches? Just go to facebook.com and search Ahead of the Curve Coaches to join our group. It's free, so what have you got to lose? If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a rating so others can find the show. Thanks for listening and have a great week.